Some words just naturally go together. Some don't, but some words naturally go together. They are things that you can put together and they fit. For example, I'm going to say something and I want you to say the first thing that comes to your mind. Peanut butter. See? I didn't have to prompt you. I didn't have to say, hey, what comes next? I know that there are some weird people out there who said waffles or bananas or something like that, but most people would say peanut butter and jelly. They go together. They fit together that way. Some words go together, but some words don't. Common and king do not go together. When you think about king, you think of royal, regal, mighty, powerful. When you think of king, you do not think of common. And when you think of common, you do not think of king. When you think of common, you think of ordinary, plain, peasant. But Jesus Christ is the common king. Would you look with me, please, in Luke chapter 1? I want to read one more time from the conversation. We've spent a good bit of time in this passage over the Christmas season. I want us to look one more time at the interchange between the angel Gabriel and Mary as he announced to her what God's plans for her were. And in verse 31 of Luke chapter 1, the Bible says, Now listen. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. The last part of this passage focuses on the divine authority of Jesus. We make a terrible error when we reduce Jesus to our little buddy or the man upstairs or some, some person less than who he is. The angel came to say, look, Jesus is coming to this earth. A child will be born to us, but the child that is born is the son that is given. Those phrases in the book of Isaiah talk about the dual nature of the commonness of Jesus. A son will be born or a child will be born to us, but he is the son who is given. And the angel said, let me tell you about what this Savior is going to be. He will be called great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. There's not a split second in the entire history of all of creation that Jesus Christ has not been in control. And regardless of the topsy-turviness and the upside-downness of the world where we are now, there is not a day that Jesus does not reign. The angel said he is in charge. He rules. He is the king. Now, sometimes the, the gospel passages don't give us that full picture, so I want you to flip with me to a couple of places in the book of Revelation. First... Find Revelation chapter 19. Find Revelation 19. I see that many of you have the Bible memorized and don't need to bring it, so you'll be able to go right along with us. 
But for the less godly people who actually need to look in the Bible to know what it says, you find Revelation 19 and then either put your little Bible ribbon or bulletin or something there because we're going to read that passage in just a minute. And then I want you to flip to the first chapter of the book of Revelation, chapter 1. So hold your place there in Revelation 19, but then let's look at what John wrote in in Revelation 1. John received this vision. He was exiled on the island of Patmos, which is right off the coast in the Mediterranean Sea there. As far as we know, the historical records say that every other disciple but John was martyred for his faith. You know the history that Peter supposedly was crucified upside down. There are other passages of, of, of uh, or there are other historical records of disciples being beheaded. and other. Every single one of the disciples, except for John, as far as we know, lost their lives specifically because of their devotion to Jesus Christ. John, didn't. John, as far as we know, died a natural death, but he did so in exile because the people said, we, we don't want to hear that message anymore. And so while John was in exile on the island of Patmos, Jesus said, John, I'm about to show you some things that nobody ever has seen. I'm about to unfold for you some things that are going to happen in this world before the curtain of history closes. And so, John did the best that he could to write what he saw. In Revelation chapter 1, verse 12, the Bible says, Then I turned to see whose voice it was that spoke to me. When I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands, and among the lampstands was one like the Son of Man, Dressed in a robe and with a golden sash wrapped around his chest. The hair of his head was white as wool, white as snow. And his eyes were, a, were like a fiery flame. His feet were like fine bronze that is, as it is fired in a furnace. And his voice like the sound of cascading waters. Has anybody here ever by any chance been to Niagara Falls? Okay, some of you have. I was on a little preaching mission up there in Canada and in that area, and they said, we're going to Niagara Falls. When you are there, you cannot hear. You, you, sit, there and you're, you sit there and are talking to people, and they are saying, what? What? Because the water is just pounding. It's just so much water that you can't even hear each other when you are talking to each other. And John said, when I heard Jesus speaking... That's what it was like. It was just like water pounding. It was so overpowering that we couldn't even hear ourselves. Verse 16 says, He had seven stars in his right hand. A sharp, double-edged sword came from his mouth, and his mouth was shining like the sun at full strength. Have you ever tried to look at the sun? Have you ever thought, you know, sometimes during those eclipses you see people, you know, turning up there and they tell you never to do that. Think of what John was trying to describe. He was saying, when I, when I tried to look at Jesus, when I, when I tried to turn to see the person who was giving me these instructions, the sight was so overwhelming that it was like the sun, not at dawn, not at, not at dusk, it was at full strength. 
the best thing that I could do now to help you see that is to take off my shirt. <laughs> you would think that's what John is talking about right there. White as snow, white as wool, bright as the sun. John said, when I saw Jesus, he was different from when I saw him on earth. When he was on earth, he walked around and we hugged him and we sat next to him. But now that I see him glorified, I couldn't even look at him because of how kingly he is. We'll then flip over into Revelation 19 in that passage that I asked you to find. And let's begin reading in verse 11. Then I saw heaven opened and there was a white horse its rider is called Faithful and True, and he judges and makes war with justice. His eyes were like a fiery flame, and many crowns were on his head. Not one, many crowns were on his head. He had a name written that no one knows except himself. He wore a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. The armies that were in heaven followed him on white horses wearing pure white linen. A sharp sword came from his mouth so that he might strike the nations with it. He will rule them with an iron rod. He will also trample the winepress of the fierce anger of God, the Almighty. And he has a name written on his robe and on his thigh, King of Kings. And Lord of Lords, all the way back at his birth, the angel made sure that we understood Jesus is king. He reigns in power and might. But the first part of Luke, of that passage that we read in Luke, says, Now listen, you will conceive and give birth to a son. And you will name him Jesus. For us, Jesus is the name above every other name. One day, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. No one names their child Jesus today. But back during this time, lots of people named their children Jesus. It was a very common name. It was a name like John or Tom or Bob even the name given to Jesus, given to the Son, was one given to demonstrate his commonness. That he could associate with the lowly. If you start reading through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you see that the people that seemed to gravitate most toward Jesus were lepers and prostitutes. Tax collectors, sinners, drunkards, lame, blind. People who would never approach a Roman governor, a Jewish king, found their way to Jesus because he was common. Here's how I want to try to explain that. When Jesus was on earth, he did not lose any of his godlike traits. Colossians chapter 2, verse 9, says that Jesus is the fullness of deity in bodily form. 
meaning Jesus, when he came to earth, did not say, I no longer am God anymore. I'm just going to be a man for a while. He was 100% God, 100% man. It's a theological mystery. No one can explain it. We just know it to be true. But during his time on earth, Jesus chose not to exercise all the fullness of his godliness. What I mean by that is that, that he did not go around walking, shining, brighter than the sun at full strength. He chose to come down to us so that we would know he understands us. When we hurt, Jesus knows what that's like. When we're discouraged, Jesus knows what that's like. When we wish circumstances would be different, Jesus knows what it, that is like. He is the common king. Because he chose not to exercise all of his godliness. Let me use this as an illustration. You see our sanctuary um, decorated here for Christmas. One day, Miss Pam Galloway and Annie and Charlie came to decorate. And I don't know what we were looking for, but I think it may have been the wreath, the the advent wreath and so we were looking around and and trying to go through this this church building has a lot of stuff here there are some things that i am quite confident have not been used since 1964 (laughs) but you're keeping them just in case you need them at some point and so we started looking around trying to find the advent wreath you know where is it where is it And so someone said, well, maybe it's in this room back here. And so I walked back there, and Betsy's little boy, Charlie, was here. And so he also walked to the back. Well, the Advent wreath wasn't there, and so we started making our way back to the front, and Charlie wanted to race. And so as we began making our way to the front, I was walking like this, and his little legs were getting after it. And he got down here to the front first, and I said, Charlie, you won. Now, I want, you to, t- I want to tell you a secret. I could smoke Charlie in a race. <laughs> there is not a three-year-old on this planet That can beat me in a race. I chose to be common. To hold back. And that's what Jesus did for us. To come be one of us. So that we could associate with him. If we were meeting someone like a president or a governor, maybe a famous celebrity, a famous athlete. We might be shy. We might be timid. We might even say, oh, I don't want to speak to him." Sometimes maybe if you've been flying, you've seen a famous person in the airport, and you say, oh, I don't want to go bother them. And if Jesus had come only as king, we might feel the same way about him. We might say, oh, I, I, I don't want to bother him. Oh, what if he doesn't have time for me? What if he views me as a nuisance? Jesus is the common king. 
who says, come right on. Come sit right next to me. Come tell me everything. I am in charge. I'm reigning. But I also have time for you. Some words go together and some don't. And we would not ordinarily think of common and king going together. Except with Jesus. He's not king without being common. And he's not common without being king. He is both together. And we celebrate that. The musicians are going to come and lead us in a closing song of commitment today. You never know who gathers in a church building on a Sunday. You never know what is going on inside the heart of someone who is in a church building. And so maybe there are people here this morning who want to begin a relationship with Jesus Christ. You have celebrated the Christmas season so far with your family, but you are missing the significance of it because you don't personally know Jesus. Maybe there are people who need, have prayer needs in other ways. However God's Spirit speaks to you, I'm going to stand right here at the front for just a moment as we sing together. Philip, what are we going to sing? We're going to sing Joy to the World. Joy to the World. Let's stand together, please. <laughs>